0: God. I'm, in, I'm in a weird place here because there's people here that know the players and I am I will not per- perpetrate a harm in this deal so I'm going to be talking in generalities if it doesn't make complete sense please forgive that okay bear with me on that one um, I had an event occurred and I don't even understand what the actual event was that occurred but everybody ended up with, with bad feelings including myself so what are the characters that came up with within me the judge, the jury, the executioner, Rambo, the spiritual man, they were all chattering at once. All, big time was the trader, because these are AA people. These are my people and they're my close people. And I was feeling harmed by them. So it wasn't just that I had felt that I was hurt. I had felt that my spirit was crushed. So the trader was out. And anytime, and I'm very conscious of that. When I see the trader, I know I'm in deep, deep, deep trouble. So I write inventory. I write the resentments out. I do the things I have to do. I fifth step it. I have these harms. I know that I'm I'm clear on some of these harms. So I go through the process of trying to make these amends. But I know before I go to make amends, I have to forgive each and every one of these people by the instructions. I've been sober a long time. I know that's the deal. So I go what I think to be the exercises I need to for forgiveness. I go through that process. all right. But in your heart, you know there's something not quite right. I know that I'm saying to myself what I say to everybody that I work with. If you've forgiven and you can't forget, then you haven't forgiven. And that's exactly where I was. And now I'm in this panic place because I've done the tools that I've got in my toolbox that I'm familiar with. Now I'm out. What do I do? So I start talking to people and everybody's going, I've never been in that situation. I don't know what to tell you. And now the real panic starts to set in because I know that I'm blocked. And I know that if I don't make these amends, I may drink. So what do I do? So I turn to God and say, "God, inspire me. What am I supposed to do?" And I start naturally. I start praying and meditating for these people. I start doing love light meditations. That's helping. And then I just got inspired. Well, let's go back and look in the in the big book in the twelve and twelve at everything that you that's in there about forgiveness. And there's really a logical process in there about forgiveness and what Bill tells us to do. And the, he talks in there about the need to forgive everybody before you start striking out and trying to make amends. If you're going to go ask for forgiveness from someone else for the harm you caused, then you need to forgive them before you go. But you have to be clear on the harm you caused. That was the first thing I was having trouble with. I thought in my mind, they had done this to me, you know, but I still can't get free of this. So obviously I know the promises. My problems are of my own making. So I've got something wrong inside of me that I have to figure out. So that's when I started looking at the emotional banker because I knew that the trader was around. Anytime the trader's around, the emotional banker's around. So even though I could forgive the harm that they might, and this is all perceived on my part, they may or may not have harmed me. It's my perception that I was perceiving that I had been harmed. So I perceive this and I say, okay, I'm going to forgive them for that, but that still left the emotional banker and that's what I was sensing. There's something wrong in it. I haven't forgotten because the emotional banker is still racking up interest until those SOBs come to me and make amends for what they did to me, I'm not going to forgive them completely. It's always going to be sitting in the back of my mind. Is that going to answer where you guys are going? Okay. That being said, this is our course. That's the next thing here. The quote comes from the big book. This was our course. We realized that people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms, column two, and the way these disturbed us, column three, they, like ourselves, were sick too. And here's the instruction that the big book gives us. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience we would cheerfully grant for a sick friend. Who am I praying for there? For me. For God to come in and soften my golf ball. To soften the crust on my heart. For me to be able to find true forgiveness. For God to... Because I didn't have the power to kill the emotional banker of my own. I'm powerless. I, that was going to have to be the grace of God. Which meant I'm gonna to need to have prayer, 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 and meditation, prayer and meditation. And it took weeks and weeks and weeks of prayer and meditation every single day for my heart to soften, to get cancel out the emotional banker. This is not one of those things where you do a four step, a fifth step, and it's then boom, you're free. This was something that took me a while, a long while. All right. Then the twelve and twelve gives us some more information. It says, When prideful, angry, jealous, anxious, or fearful. We acted accordingly, and that was, here we need to, only to recognize that we did act or think badly. Try to visualize how we might have done better and resolve with God's help to carry, uh, carry these lessons over into tomorrow, making, of course, any amends still neglected. Once I started entering into this prayer regime that I was doing, then I needed to give it, get a vision in my head of what was it that I did wrong. See, where I, I was taking offense for their behavior, they weren't intentionally trying to hurt me. I was perceiving harm. They were reaching inside my wall and touching something. They had no idea they were touching it. And I was reacting feeling hurt. Does that make sense? That's where the problem lay. And I couldn't see that until I sat down. I'd softened my heart enough with prayer to be even willing to look. And then try to develop a vision of what really occurred here. As soon as I could see that they weren't intentionally trying to harm me, then there was no conspiracy theory, you know? It killed the whole thing and poof. There went the emotional banker. There was enough there just to say, you know, get out of here. That's ego. You're gone. Next. Then I was able to start down the path of amends and truly mean the amends and going through. And that took God's time. And I went and I made the amends I needed to make. All right. So here's what I had to do I had to write out how I can be helpful to these these people, right? That's what the instructions of the big book. How can I be helpful? What does it look like to be kind and tolerant to, the, to that person? The big book gives us a thing. It says, God will show you how to take a kindly intolerant view. Write it out. What does it look like for me to be kind and tolerant to the person that I absolutely loathe and can't forgive? All right? And that's what I had to do. And then here's the prayer regime that I used. I even wrote the prayers out. There's three sections there. Just fill in the blanks with their names. All right? Once that whole process was done, then he, underneath the line at the bottom of the page are the instructions that the Big Book gives you when you go to make the amends to these people that you can't forgive. In the past, you were not able to forgive. Once you feel like you're spiritually ready, that you've truly forgiven, the Big Book gives us, and the 12 and 12 gives us some stuff. It says, um, um, if an enemy, go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit. All right. The reason I wasn't for forgiving them is because I felt they were an enemy. Yeah. Confess my former ill feeling and express your regret. That was a hard pill to swallow. You know? Their faults are not to be discussed. We stick to our harms. Very, very difficult in, in my case just to sit there and bite my tongue. And the the actual amend, I went and made this amend and the person sitting there was just unloading on me. Uh, and 99.9% of what they were unloading on me I felt was 100% distorted, out of the box, wrong, wasn't even the right. And I just had to sit there and bite my tongue and smile and, and pray. I it was literally, I was praying I don't even know how long it was. It was at least an hour. I was sitting there praying. And when I got to the amends questions and I asked those questions, they said, sit there and shut up and listen to what I have to tell you. And I had to get some more. And I just listened. But I was spiritually, I was protected. I was wrapped up. I was bulletproof. I would not have been had I not done this exercise beforehand and gotten myself spiritually ready. We ask God for strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences may be. We are willing. You know the personal consequences were I was going to look really bad because I realized in this process of making this amend in order for me to forgive I had to be absolutely silent so for weeks I had to keep my side of this disagreement quiet and not say a word meanwhile they're over there telling everybody in the world I'm hearing all this stuff coming back to me about what I did and what a scumbag I was and how I'm not working the program and I'm not working the steps and I had to keep my mouth shut so my camp is quiet and their camp isn't very difficult to do. But let me tell you, it's one of the best growth experiences I've ever had in my life, to stand on principle. All right? We must not shrink in anything. We don't delay if it can be avoided. You know, Right on down the line. Emmett Fox has got a great quote, and I won't take the time to read it, but he talks about it takes two people to be to create a prisoner. The prisoner and the jailer. The jailer is just as much a prisoner as the guy he's in charge of. Because he's locked in the same walls to make sure the other guy doesn't get out. You know? The reality is, is there's an ancient Chinese parable about the man who gets thrown into prison. And for 30 years, he has no idea why he's in jail and he's, he's falsely accused. He has no clue. And every day the guy comes and opens up the door and puts in the food and the bread and the water and the guy's in there and he's marking it off and he's praying to meditate. He can't figure out, what did I do? Why am I in prison? But he never bothers to ask the jailer why he's in prison. But every day, at the same time, the guy, and finally he says, you know what, I'm going to kill myself. But just before he gets ready to kill himself, he says, you know what, before I do that, let me talk to the jailer. But he looks out the the gate, and there's nobody there. And so he reaches up and grabs a hold of it, starts to shake it, and the gate just opens up. The door wasn't locked. So he looks through, and he kind of walks out, and he walks up the stairs, and there's two guards standing right at the entrance of the door. He looks out, and they don't react. And he gets out, and he walks through the courtyard and out the main gate of the prison, and he's free. The whole moral of that parable is to realize the reason he was in prison was because he put himself in the prison. It was a self constructed prison. Our problems of our own making. I created the entire thing in my mind. Was I harmed? Who knows? Who cares? It doesn't matter. The reality was if I didn't deal with that stuff emotionally, I was going to drink and die. You know? That was the deal for me. I've spoken enough. It's time for Mark to share.
1: I'm Mark, alcoholic. You ever heard that uh, quote, uh, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do? You ever heard that? That's going to tie into some things I'm going to talk about. I, I told you earlier, Dave's talking about some concepts. We've all heard over the years a lot of different concepts about forgiveness. The barometer for me is my own personal experience. Most of the things I uh, have read or heard growing up did not fit my personal experience nor did they work for me uh, i.e i know one of the stories in the back is talked about a lot about you pray for someone for two weeks my experience is they don't need the prayers i need the prayers uh, that never worked for me um a lot of that stuff never worked for me. But I, I want to I show you what has worked. And uh, I'm going to give you some things to think about you know, relative to this, this area of forgiveness, if you will, based on my experience. Uh, go back to something Dave touched on. In, uh, and you don't need to open your book up, but it's in page 66. Much like above everything, it's not talked about where it says, I turn back to the list for it. This first three columns, is third column holds the key to my future. Now, I don't know. I think that's a pretty important statement. <laughs> this list holds the key to my entire future. What are they talking about? I mean, thats you don't think they meant our entire future, do you?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> my experience is that's exactly what they, what they meant. So you know, leads to a logical question. Well, why don't we talk about this? the key a key to your to your whole future and they and and they're going to start to tell you and I about this key and forgiveness is at the heart and soul of this i'm prepared to look at it these first three columns these people you won't forgive what you're angry at doesn't matter who and what they are um by the way i i hear this sometimes a uh, varying degrees of harm big harm and little harm and <laughs> i I think there's just harm i think you think there's there's harm so i'm going to look at this from an entirely different angle and they're going to start to present the angle i begin to see the world and its people really dominate me it says in that state it's a state of self-will of selfishness when i'm consumed with myself and centered on myself Remember, I'm getting my sense of who I am externally so the world and its people completely dominate me from the time I get up till the time I go to bed. So in that state, the wrongdoing of others has the power to kill me. I'm always fighting for my life, right? Well, how do I escape from this? It says these resentments must be mastered. How do I do this? I cannot wish them away. It's kind of like my experience with forgiveness. I, I tried to pray a lot, didn't do much. So this is my course now. I need to realize the people who wronged me were perhaps, I think that's a key word, perhaps spiritually sick. This is back to this idea that you're asleep, dreaming, you're awake, or that you have no choice or no free will. Spiritually sick. Starting to introduce you to the idea that people do not get up and decide on this day to take a course of action to harm you. Nor did you ever get up one morning and say, I think today I'm going to harm these three people. (laughs) The extent to which you do not understand that there is nothing but oneness, and if I harm Dave, I harm myself, if you do not understand that experientially, then you're going to do things that appear spiritually sick. You're going to assassinate people's character, etc., 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 that's what the term spiritually sick means. If you don't understand oneness, in the fifth step, you disconnect from ego. Seventh step, you connect with God. Ninth step, you connect with your fellow brother and sister, and you become one. If you, to the extent to which you do not understand, it is the extent to which you will put harm out into the universe. It says, though, I don't like their symptoms, and the way these disturb me, they are like me or sick too. So here's Here's the deal. I'm going to sit in judgment or not forgive or be upset with someone who's asleep, dreaming they're awake, can't do anything any different. Who's sicker? You follow me? You see, they did this. Then I'm sitting over here. This takes you back to if my arrangements would only stay put. I play God. Okay, You're sitting here getting upset with people who can't do it any different because their hard drive is their hard drive. Get it? Your hard drive is your hard drive. It's the same for you as it's the same for them, whether it's your mother or your father, or your anyone you can't forgive, or anyone, quote, that you think has harmed you. And it's just every bit as true with regards to, quote, the people you've harmed. Your hard drive is your hard drive. Okay, You can't alter it. You can't change it. Unbeknownst to me, the steps, God, reprogram me. I had a virus in there, if you will. <laughs> We get reprogrammed in this process. And so the book's trying to introduce us to a key to our entire future. And that key is waking up to this. And it goes on to say that, ask God, help me show these people same tolerance, pity, and patience. I would cheerfully, check this out, I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. If you don't understand what it is I just said, you can't do that. Because self is still intact. See, self cannot forgive. Dave came down, and he and I did some work around this piece he's talking about. And I said, Dave, self can't forgive. You can't forgive. Well, what do we do? Well, we're going to do a fifth step, and in the process of that, that part of you that needs forgiveness is going to die. And then there's nothing that needs to be forgiven, because self cannot forgive. It's impossible, right? That's really what happened in that process. Is the part of him that was injured evaporated. And what happened? I watched it. I watched it right in front of my eyes. I watched him get taken to a place of love and kind and compassion because he finally understood. My God, none of this was being done intentionally. None of it. So when that happened, there was no longer, the issue of forgiveness was no longer there in this process.
0: I, I got to add something right there.
1: It was absolutely
0: critical that I was sitting across from somebody who understood and had been down the path. If I was sitting across somebody who had the exact, let's say, an old timer with forty years of sobriety who had the same baggage who had never cleaned it up, they would have looked at me and said, "Ah, you poor kid. The same exact thing happened to me. Those dirty SOBs. You, you, your your feelings are okay. You know, go do a ninety ninety. You'll be all right. You know, and I'd have died." It'd have killed me. There's a real importance on, on who is hearing the work that you're sharing. Because if they're going to co-sign it and talk you out of it, they're signing
1: your death warrant. It goes on to, to talk about <laughs> we avoid retaliation or argument. Okay? Why? Because I wouldn't treat sick people that way. Now, I want to go back to this. Because I'm like Dave. I'm sure there are some of you in here that have this idea... Or there's some people that you, I'm just not going to forgive. Or you have some ideas about yourself in terms of some things that you've done. now what I want you to consider and maybe what I want you to get over is that you have never intentionally chosen to do that, nor did they. They are sick, spiritually sick. The extent to which I am spiritually sick is the extent to which I live a life driven by fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. And the more that that's going on in my life, the more harm that I'm going to put out into the universe. Um, uh, This is my experience with this whole area. Uh, I haven't had to work with forgiveness in a long time. In a long time. Why? Because this is all I'm going to get out of the Hewlett-Packard. That's why. (laughs) Right? I understand the hard drive. Right? I understand there's no choice. Right? Right? If you don't understand that, again, this wisdom of this incredible big book, okay? Mark, once again, of course, we're so self-centered. We actually think people get up in the morning and we come up and they're harmed today, you know? Nobody does that. The extent to which you feel separate from instead of a part of is the extent to which you'll still go through life creating harm, if you will, in the process of trying to get your own way, always trying to defend, right? Um... So again, avoid retaliation or argument, right? Why? Because I'm not going to treat sick people that way. If I do, I'm going to destroy my chance of being helpful. I can't be helpful to all people, but at least God has shown me how to take a kind and tolerant view of each and every one. And this is my experience. A kind and tolerant view of each and every one. Uh, I have, through the years, dealt with uh, my share of character assassination, if you will, and uh, I'll share a little story with you around this. I was asked to do the steps, a uh, place called the Glass House, forward Texas. So I go in there in about five minutes before I'm gonna do this down there. Once, once they ask you to come into a group once a month, same time, same hour, so four times a month, and go through the steps. <coughs> And literally about five minutes before i to speak, I'm handed this letter. This letter is about a page long. And this letter uh, proceeds to say that this individual who had a service position in Alcoholics Anonymous was incredibly disappointed in this group that they would ask a, 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 cancerous, uh, a cancerous member of AA called Mark H. to speak at their group. That I'd been ran out of South Texas, and the list goes on and on. And I, that I violated traditions, and that yeah, that I was a cancer in AA, and that I was killing people. And that I'm sitting here reading this, right? You know, and I'm getting ready to go speak in a packed house. (laughs) And toward the end, he says, "And by the way, I will be in there to ensure." that he follows AA tradition so i'm saying well now i know how martin luther Kingfeld, right <laughs> so, see. so now i'm reading all this and then i get you know and I get it. i'm not even getting to tell you what all the stuff that was in there so i said okay well this ought to be fun so anyhow i go in and uh, uh i give my talk and uh I, didn't, I don't say anything to anybody oh i forgot to mention something while he was out front, he took a time to pass out that paper to a lot of the people walking in there, most who didn't know me. So this is their first impression of Mark Houston, right? It's a real good one, isn't it, you know? And uh, so I go back home, and the second time I, I go over there, I'm talking about the second and third step. So I wrote some four-column four inventory. And, uh, <laughs> and that four-column inventory is on that set of tapes, and he was sitting right in the audience, and I walked it through all four, and... Uh, you know, and and I got to this is to this forgiveness piece, but you get to the third and you get to the fourth column, and I talked about. Um, I said if you're in this room tonight, because this man I, I've volu- I've told people give him my phone number, and he was in the room every time I was there. I don't know what he looks like. He obviously knows what I look like. Uh, he described me in graphic detail, but uh, you know, I, I made a statement. You know, if you're if you're in this room, you know, um, you know, God bless you, you know. God bless you. I'm getting your best shot, you know. Uh, not a problem here, you know. And it was, but that's how this works when you start to understand that. You see, I'm I'm just getting what he's getting out of his hard drive. I, don't ask me why he zeroed in me. I guess it's a bullseye. Who knows, right? But that's how this deal works when you start to really understand that. Uh, you start to understand that you truly are getting people's best shot. And uh, look at your own experience to see the truth in that. The only thing that happened to me, it changed over time, is as book talks about, we do a psychic change, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, as a result of the psychic change, how we react and act in life goes through a dramatic shift and a change, doesn't it? You follow me? Well, that's true of every human being, and some, some people uh, aren't going through that. So, um, I had a lot of stuff in this area, you know. I had uh, 13 and a half months in Vietnam, and... Uh, some years of dealing drugs and a drug culture, and and uh, uh, some family stuff, and and I mean, uh, I something had to happen for me in this area of forgiveness, or I was never going to be at peace. What I did not know is the extent to which I was unable to forgive is the extent to which I never felt connected with you. See, if I got one person out there, I can't forgive, or let's say myself as well. If I got that out there then I'm, I'm blocked, you see? Four-step, face me be rid of that which has me blocked from God. And as I begin to understand more and more and more about this issue of going through life driven with no choice, I begin to get free of all this remorse and shame and guilt and everything else around my actions and my behavior. And then I also really begin to, to understand that it's the same with you. Uh, and that in truth that self that we can be rid of with god's help the more that that self began to dissolve if you will uh, the less there was this issue ever that came up of forgiveness Uh, because there's nothing to there's nothing to forgive and you again if if you break it down why are you forgiving someone Uh, because there's a part of self that is either hurt threatened or interfered with well what if that part isn't there to begin with so that's some of my experiences. That, you know, in the big book, in, in the ninth step, in several places, gets into this forgiveness. Uh, and using the words, page 77, go to them in a helpful and forgiving spirit. You cannot manufacture a forgiving spirit. <laughs> you know, I, I really think it's cute when the drunks get in this 90-10. Well, 90% of the harm is his fault. And ten percent is mine, and my response to that is good. Then you're a hundred percent responsible for your ten. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I I think often of my uh, uh, parents and my brothers and and uh, uh, the incredible stuff that happened and and being able to uh, to love them exactly, you know, as they are. And this this was more with, say, myself than. And so with them, but you know, you you get to this area of when you start to wake up a little bit and you start to look at these people that have loved you and cared about you, if you're like me, uh, it just shook me down to my core because I, you know, you sit there and I've thought of my mother particularly, but lays there for year after year and night after night and is a phone going to ring and has Mark been scraped up off the pavement somewhere? You know, it's like, how do you set that right? You know, you uh, how do you how do you clear that up? How do you get free of that? You know, well, some of it is that you no longer do that, and you're accountable and responsible, and you call with a lot of frequency, and you, there's a dramatic change in your behavior. And the other thing is to understand that I wasn't waking up choosing to do that. And those mm-hmm. in in those thing areas, I begin to get free of that. And as that begin to happen within me, then my ability. To forgive, if you will, others reached completely new dimensions because I began to understand I did get my best shot from my parents. Uh, I got the best their hard drive could give me. Uh, that's the way it was. You know, it's not going to change. Same with my brothers. Same with the list goes on and on and on. And uh, I'm a free man in that area. There's, there's nothing to forgive. There's no one to forgive. Uh, I can't tell you the peace in my heart behind that you follow? There's a custom they they do and I think it's in India, it's in one of the cultures but it's a great thing when they meet somebody they bow and what they say is basically is I forgive you before they ever meet you. So I thought to myself, that's a great, we need that in AA. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Dave, I forgive you, my name is Mark. <laughs> right? See, because they understand human nature, they understand that we we fall asleep sometimes and When we're asleep or not feeling connected with God, we'll do or say things that produce emotion, make me feel hurt. They understand that. They understand it on the front end. but uh, Anyhow, that's that's all I got on that. There's uh,
0: the beauty of forgiveness, particularly the really, really, really deep harms, in my experience, is that they really are the diamonds that have been dropped into the manure. I've had the greatest epiphanies in my life, and the greatest changes spiritually is when I can truly get to the core of what was driving me the worst, and the things that were driving me the worst were the things that hurt me the most. Some of it was the behavior that I exhibited when I was drinking. You know, you, you, you put the central nervous system to sleep with alcohol, and you're surprised why you know some of this bizarre stuff happens. You know, it's all the stuff that you t- you want to take to the grave. You want to talk about. You know, the the bestiality and the homosexuality and the you know the the gang rapes and all the rest of that stuff that happens—the lovely, nice side of alcoholism that nobody likes to talk about. And how do you how do you deal with that? If you were the recipient, or if you were the you know the person that was perpetrating those harms, how do you how do you deal with that? You know, and if you can come to terms with that by using the tools and really truly get spiritually free from that, man, the, the hardest things in your life. And, and just look around the program—the people that have gone through things like that, that have had. You know, a a child murdered by somebody, and they go and they make amends to the person that murdered their child for the 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 terrible insensitive feelings that they had, and and the hate, and the you know the 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 true poison that was killing them. They're the freest people in the world. It it hasn't been a downer. It has been just it's rocketed them into the fourth dimension. It's been tremendously powerful, powerful experience. Um, two things I'd like to share. Um, One is is if if you have a harm that you can't forgive for somebody that's in these rooms one of the tools that I use that I did not talk about was imagine if you went out drinking again and the person that you refuse to forgive is the person that shows up on your doorstep when you call intergroup for a 12 step call to come save you yeah it, it hurts it changes your tune it really changes your tune that's where the rubber meets the road Um, there's a guy by the name of Samuel Johnson who lived in the 1700s he was a lexicographer anybody know what a lexicographer was? I had to look it up a lexicographer is a guy who writes dictionaries and he was witnessing and he said God himself sir does not propose to judge a man until his life is over why should you and I when I read that man it touched a tone in me who in the heck am I there's somebody else that's got a heck of a lot more power that's going to do the final judge. I don't need to do it. Uh, a guy by the name of Gerald uh, Jimpolsky. Inner peace can be reached only when we have practiced forgiveness. Forgiveness is letting go of the past, and therefore the means for correcting our misperceptions. Interesting. Our misperceptions. This came alive for me after I'd gone through this work. Our misperceptions can be undone now. And this is possible only through the process of letting go whatever we think the other person may have done to us. And whatever we may think we did to them. Through true forgiveness, we can stop the endless cycle of guilt and look upon ourselves and others with love. Forgiveness permits us to let go of all thoughts that seem to separate us from each other. Without the belief in separation, we can accept our own healing and extend healing love to all those around us. Healing then becomes a thought of unity. As inner peace is recognized as our single goal, forgiveness becomes our single function. When we accept both our function and our goal, we also find that listening to our inner intuitive voice as the source for direction becomes our only guide to fulfillment. We are released as we release others from the prison of our distorted and illusory perceptions and join with them in the unity of love. Took on a whole meaning for me. Completely different. Um, Twelve and twelve. There's another kind of hangover, that which we all experience. Whether we are drinking or not, that is the emotional hangover, the direct result of yesterday and sometimes today's excessive of negative emotions of anger, fear, jealousy, and the like. If we would live serenely today and tomorrow, we certainly need to eliminate these hangovers. It requires an admission and correction of errors now. Don't think that you can put this stuff off. God's grace lasts only as long as ignorance. You're gonna get sick of hearing me saying that. We've woken up the beast this weekend. You thought we stirred the pot yesterday? Guess what? We turned on the blender tonight. You know? There's the time clock has started for you. If you've got this stuff, your life's on the line. And it's been on the line. It's nothing that we did to you. It's been on the line. You were just blind to it. Now you can see that the tiger is ready to strike. Um Around the year with Emmett Fox, here is a sublime precept that we call the golden rule, because we are fundamentally all parts of the great mind, because we are all ultimately one. To hurt another is really to hurt oneself, and to help another is really to help oneself. The fatherhood of God compels us to accept the brotherhood of man, and spiritually the brotherhood is unity. Remember what I said, God has no grandchildren. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all related. And that really becomes true in the fellowship. We're really a family of choice inside the rooms. And the last thing that I want to share about forgiveness is a, uh, I forget whether it was Mike or or Barefoot Bill that sent this to me, Uh, a Native American tale told many times around the sacred fire. An old grandfather said to his grandson, who came to him with anger at a friend who had done him an injustice, let me tell you a story. I too, at times, have felt great hate for those who have taken so much, with no sorrow for what they do. But hate wears you down and does not hurt your enemy. It is like taking poison and wishing the enemy would die. I have struggled with these feelings many times. It is as if there are two wolves inside me. One is good and does no harm. He lives in harmony with all around him and does not take offense when no offense was intended. He will will only fight when it is right to do so and in the right way. But the other wolf, ah, the littlest thing sends him off into a fit of timber. He fights everyone all of the time for no reason. He cannot think because his anger and hate are so great. It is helpless anger, for his anger will change nothing. Sometimes it is hard to live with these two wolves inside me, for both of them try to dominate my spirit. The boy looked intently at his grandfather's eyes and asked, Which one wins, grandfather? And the grandfather smiled and quietly said, The wolf that I feed. Which wolf do you want to feed? That's the question for tonight. We still got a few minutes. Let's open it up. Anybody want to talk? Unless you got some more.
1: We well, do no, We'd like to. Did you want to do the God calling? Did you find that thing or no? Like to. Uh, well, I did, but it happened to be the blank page. Oh, it was a blank. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so uh, well, I I I'd like to hear from. Uh, like to hear from some of you all in this this area.
0: Do we have those uh, mics? Yeah, there's, the mics going on. Anybody got a something that they've that they really couldn't forgive that they managed to forgive. My sailor friend, yeah. bring the mic. Turn it off. It's not on. Let's try the other one. What, is the other one on? Is that that? <sighs> let's try it again. Nope. Nope. right there you yes. go. yeah you're on
2: i'm ron i'm an alcoholic hey, and yeah, this this is, this is a, a great thing uh this this uh forgiveness uh, i too knew nothing about forgiveness and i got divorced in uh in uh 1978 i wasn't all that great about making my payments every month but i i, I did the best i could considering everything and i kept receipts and what have you and i and I really wasn't. Uh, I was still drinking, and I still wasn't close to the family at all. But, anyways, as years went on, uh, I started in sobriety, trying to get back with my son, and blah blah blah, and and trying to resume and get some kind of a relationship going. But he was on drugs, and I and I really couldn't get a, a good relationship going with either my ex-wife or my son. You know, as far as at least being able to talk things. So, but we did talk, and I did send money, and I bailed him out of a lot of situations. Out of the clear blue in 1994, about a month after Christmas, I get a knock on the door and I'm sitting at my computer and it's a constable. And I get hit with a summons and the two of them had showed up in Florida and they were suing me for support saying they had never seen or heard from me since 78. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I was just blown away. I mean, I just, I felt that, like you said, the betrayal, the traitor. I mean, I was just, I I just couldn't understand it. Well, anyways, I, uh, I went down. I had to go to court and everything. And I, uh, I, I just was a mess of emotions. I, I, I was homicidal. I wanted to kill them. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't understand why they were doing this to me. Well, anyways, as the days were in the week, this thing ended up going a long time. And I would go to bed every night and toss and turn and twist and get up. and Oh, man. I mean, I, was, I, mean, I can understand why people got people killed. I mean, I just didn't. I was a mess. So then I realized in my program I was talking to people. I started to kneel down every night and I try to do the 21 day stuff, you know, uh, blessing them and everything. <laughs> it wasn't working, you know. So <laughs> my sponsor says, uh, and I, meanwhile I got a lawyer for 250 an hour and uh, and I, and I'm sweating this thing and they're going after some big bucks and it and I and I'm digging. I threw away most of my receipts and it's really it not looking good at all and so I just I continued this praying and I said I kept asking God I, says, I, I can't forgive them I don't even know how to start that process but but I says I wish them the best and I says and, and I started going at it this way I says teach me to forgive you know teach me to forgive because I don't know anything about this I want to kill them not, not forgive them and I did this every night for about another 60 days and finally you know the interesting thing is this the last court date was july the 12th this all started on february 1st and i'm sitting in that courtroom not knowing that's going to be my last day and they're in front of me about two rows and their backs are to me i got there a little late but my case wasn't heard yet the judge was finishing a one before us and all of a sudden i could see the backs of them and i and this thing came over me honest to god as soon as i'm sitting here and i says i'll accept anything this judge says today and, and in my heart, I says, I know that what they're doing, they really don't understand why they're doing what they're doing, and I'm okay. And I just had, I was awash, just whoosh, just washed right out. Just the most wonderful feeling in the world. I didn't give a shit about the case. <laughs> Couldn't give a shit left. The judge gets right into this thing, and he starts hearing and rattling. He had already come to a decision. I guess that's what it was. And he's all through, and my lawyer says, pretty good, huh? I didn't even know what he had said. I couldn't understand legal talk, anyways. And anyways, that's what happened. He says you won. He says he threw it out. I says you're kidding me. He says no. He says uh, you 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 you're golden. You're all right. He didn't believe them. And you know, I halfway through that case, my son even walked into an AA meeting in Stewart, Florida, and and I felt I wanted to kill him, but I. I had walked out of the thing that day and I forced myself to walk up around, walk up to him and I give him a hug and I squeezed him and I says, it's okay. I don't know if I meant it. I don't know if I meant it, but I, I did it. And the long and the short of it was after this case, two years later, my son calls me, he's running from the law in Massachusetts, he's a burglar and he jumped bail and he calls me and he's on the phone with me and he's crying and he's asking me what to do and he and I gave him, I tell him things what I thought he would do. And later on, you know, about two years ago, this is all three years ago now, but two years ago, he, comes, he calls me on the phone and he's talking about this whole thing. And he says, you know, you know what, you know why I called you that day? He did go back and face the thing and go to jail and get it all done. But he says, you know why I called you that day? I, I said, I don't know. He because you hugged me outside of that meeting that day. He says, you hugged me. And he says, "I couldn't believe you did that. You really hugged me." And he says, "I just knew that everything was going to be all right if I called you. you." know, I think that's 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 what it's all about. I think we have to even do things that we don't understand how to why we're going to do them. I really didn't love him that day. I hugged him, and I didn't wish him well. But something made me squeeze him and hug him, and I even you know, I, and I just didn't. I squeezed him, and I uh, I just didn't know, but. I think God works through us in wonderful ways and I think the wonders we don't understand sometimes, you know. But I mean I but I, I, I just I think we just have to do what we think is the next right thing and the ego's a killer. My ego didn't want to hug him, my ego wanted to kill him. And I, I mean and I don't mean that literally, but I mean I felt so angry at him, you know. Isn't so God has this tremendous power with us, I think, that he can make us go through that and do things that even are beyond our capability. So I'm glad to be here. To Thank,
0: be here. You so Thank you so much for that gift. Wonderful story. Anybody else got forgiveness? Yeah, stand under the mic.
3: Hi, my name's Anne. I'm an alcoholic. I am. Um, I have a story of forgiveness that really shocked me. Um, I growing up I was one of five girls and my mother is a heavy drinker and alcoholic and I got I was the apple of her eye until I was like um, I don't know until I really was out of college and doing things that were getting back to her through my friends who would tell their mothers and really terrible Embarrassing things to a mother, and um, slowly she put two and two together and realized that I had been like cunning and deceitful and lying and and over this was like um twenty five years ago now, and she sort of cut me off, and I got married, and she was very cold, and she never has liked my husband and then I had kids. And she would be giving all kinds of things to the other grandchildren and furniture to my sisters and all kinds of things. And I would always just get this coldness. And, and I thought it was because she's the active alcoholic and she hates that I'm sober. And I once had said to her, well, when I was nearly sober and didn't stay sober, something like, if only you'd get sober. And I thought, well, my amend to my mother is um, my sobriety and my living you know, a good life and a sober life and... A responsible life and but slowly I kind of like just pulled away and she hurt my kids I thought and so I wouldn't go and take them anymore and she was anti-semitic to my husband and so I just was you know li- I'm sober a long time and I thought doing the right thing and uh, in I'm I live in New York City and oftentimes at the end of a meeting people will say before the serenity prayer um Let's take a moment of silence for the sick and suffering alcoholics. And it was like as if there was a pile of beans on one side of my like real like enmity for my mother. Maybe pity but more enmity that I was so wronged. And um and I would and I would just see her face like filled with self-pity and remorse and all kinds of things and and during that time of that moment of silence after the meeting, I would think of her and I w- my heart would really like think, oh, I wish she could get sober. And little by little over the period of a couple of years, um, something shifted in me. And I think my sponsor and I had a long talk one day at the beginning of this. And she said, if you have any hope of that inheritance for your kids, <laughs> there's a little money involved. Um, you better you know, have lunch with her a couple of times a year. Don't take the kids. Don't take your husband. Just you go by yourself. And so I started doing this, and it was not great. It wasn't, you know, she saw I was making an effort, but it was very cold and very stiff. And um, it was a day, like about a year ago, almost a year, more than a year last spring. And it suddenly sprang into my head all the stuff about my responsibility, about my deceit and about the things that had come back to her, which I'd never really thought about, like, that that would have hurt her. And I wrote her a letter, and it was quite melodramatic, and I wept as I read it, and then I read it to a couple of people, and I rewrote it very simply, taking out all the drama. And <laughs> I got a letter back from her saying that it must have been a very hard letter to write, and that it moved her. And, um, and then the next time that I saw her, and every time since then, the relationship has been like, it was like light speed, like, it was like 25 years or more than 25 years of, 30 years maybe, of this terrible, sour, like, tartness, like, completely evaporated in these loving phone calls, to talking to my husband on the phone, like, please give my love to the children, and just, like, a shocking thing, just... Because of me, it wasn't even that I really did anything. It was such a gradual process. It was like I didn't do anything. It was kind of done to me, I guess. And um, that's my story.
0: Thanks. Would you hand the mic up in front of
4: you? Hi, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Mary Uh, I just want to say, a long time ago, my father uh, drank um, for years, and then he all of a sudden just stopped drinking. And... um, at that point no no program, so it, it was pretty bad but anyway um I was a great swimmer, and um for years, I resented him. I tried to do some of the physical stuff he liked to do. he was very active that way, and I guess, as a child like um trying to get his approval, but anyway, through the years i couldn't I never let him see my kids I could never um forgive him, and it was holding me, and I was um Going through the steps, and um, someone, and I do think God works with people, said to me, You know, I mean, why wasn't I in competition? I mean, I really could have done well. And um, she said to me, You didn't, you were not in competition, because you're not in competition, because you're not in competition. I never signed up for it. I mean, I blamed my father. I mean, it's a small thing, but it freed me of um, the resentment of my father, and I blamed my father for. Not doing this. I mean, he did the best he could with this hard drive, like you say, and uh, his life was how when he was young. So, uh, but it freed me up. Um, and as as before he died, um, we were seeing him and stuff, and a um, little reserved. But um, I opened the door, so that thank you.
1: Thank you. You know, comment on there's nothing but love, and when you can get rid of that which blocks it, the rest will blossom. You know, I remember at times having to do some things in this program uh, was this issue of well I think they might have done more and I still remember this man saying to me and I'd say well why do I have to do that and he said because you can and they can't because they're sound asleep you're close but <laughs> you see and, and see that's the truth that's why you you reached out your hand She she couldn't your mother couldn't. You reached out 25 years. Boom, just that fast. There's only love. The goal is, what do I do to get rid of that which is between that, manifesting itself. See?
0: There's There's a harm in each person's heart. You've got a harm in your heart, and they've got a harm in their heart. The difference is, you've got both keys. You can unlock your heart, and as soon as you unlock your heart, then you can reach out to them and unlock their heart. That's the, that's the difference. When you're in spiritual in this program, we don't like to see the fact that we've got both the keys. You know, that's particularly true in divorces. There's a lot of people have been talking about divorce in here. I, I've helped a number of people go through divorce. It, brutal business, absolutely brutal, brutal business. Ninety-nine percent of the time, there's unfinished amends involved in that. Not. Once the divorce starts, guarantee you there's going to be more harms that get occurred. But before that, before the divorce ever started, there was unfinished amends, particularly if there was sobriety around and you weren't practicing the principles at home. And uh, I was helping one friend of mine, and, and he came to me, and he knew the divorce was on the horizon just a matter of time, and then boom, the divorce finally starts. And he's like, what do I do? And he starts talking about money and everything. And I said, well, wait a minute. There's, there's a harm here, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, so he, do you want to be free? He didn't realize what a trap that question was. Well, yeah, I want to be free. I said, great. Give her everything. No matter what she wants, give it to her. Give it to her. Walk away. Ask for one thing. He goes, what's that? I said, ask her to take your name off the mortgage. That's it. That's all you want. And he swore and stomped and carried on, and but he did it. The divorce was over in like 30 days I mean it was like boom 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 she got his name off the mortgage literally within I don't know three four months later he finds this house on a lake he buys it by himself because his name wasn't attached to the mortgage so now he can buy a, a second house and they're friends today they're not close friends don't get me wrong but they're speaking together they're friends you know the he, and what did it cost him there wasn't that much money in the house anyway. It was, it was all the emotional banker stuff. And when he walked away with love and said, "Whatever makes you happy, you want the house, it's yours. You want the dog, it's my dog, but yeah, it's yours." You know. And he came back to me a couple months later, and he said, "You know what? I went over and I saw her again today, and she even said I could have the dog if I wanted." I said, but my life is so good, I can't have the dog all the time. I need, I got babes, I'm checking out, and he's doing all this stuff. His life is great. <laughs> you know. So your view through the pipe may not be what's the best thing. Forgive with love and anything is possible. There was another hand over here. Hi, I'm Ken and I'm an alcoholic. Thank you. Um you touched on
5: something before about uh uh forgiving somebody in a program um because they might save your butt. And uh, that happened to me because uh um, today I have uh, you know family members in recovery, but uh, you know, younger, um, I also was like the apple of my mother's eye, and when I got well into my disease at a young age of 13, I ran away and, or uh, she kicked me out, and she was well in her disease, and uh, there was pretty much no talk. We didn't talk. Um, I was pretty much disowned, and I had a lot of anger, a lot of hatred. Um I did manage to get sober um and come into the rooms at 19 and uh at the time I think I had uh I think I had over a year I had uh found out that my mother had tried to commit suicide and that she was in a rehab and I did not want to go there and uh I wanted to go in there and uh you know I told her I loved her and I tried to forgive it to the best of my ability at that time and, um, and I even went to see her at her first anniversary and uh, you know it, I wound up going back out and here again not talking to her for many more years. I came back at uh, 29 um, you know I gave up with alcohol and uh, I tried to quit drinking on my own and uh, I couldn't do it. After eight months suicide was like a strong option And why um, I called my mother, I don't know. But she came and got me upstate because I was contemplating suicide. And, uh, And, you know, to this day, like I say, she gave me that second life. She came because she always says, like, you were there for me at my first anniversary. Nobody else in the family. You showed up, and I knew that you were so angry, but you tried to forgive me. And, uh, and it's funny how it comes back to you. You don't know wh- why you're doing it. Because at the time, I did not want to forgive her. I was so angry. It was like you, 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 you know, for all the things that, as a child growing up. So, you know, that's what, it, that's, you stirred that up in me and made me remember that. Because it brings tears to my eyes because I can remember her walking in a room crying. And here's a woman that never cried and being like, please don't leave me. Please don't do
0: this to yourself. And, uh, and it saved my life. So, just thanks. Thanks, you're welcome. We've got time for one more real quick one, and then we're going to wrap it up.
6: This will be quick. Uh, I was taken through the book the first time, starting in 1990 at four years sober, and when I got to the eighth step, we had a different thing we did with cards than what Dave's been talking about. But uh, some of you probably know that exercise. And um, one of the people on my list was uh, this ex-girlfriend that I'd mentioned. Um, And I got to the part where it's like okay what am I going to say to the person Uh, and uh, got clear on the words I was going to use the book's pretty clear about that we can't say anything that's going to imply that they have anything to do with what we're talking about that they caused any part of it and um, so I went and made amends to this this ex-girlfriend for the relationship itself for the emotional harm that I caused and left it at that and knew there were some things that I couldn't bring up because it was going to cause her more harm Uh, she was in the middle of an inventory and ended up uh, blowing her sponsor off and drinking again and what she had said that i wrote on the back of the card she said don't just check me off your list as another men. be a friend if i need if i need to talk to you be my friend so i would see her from time to time and we would talk on the street eight years later she's coming off a of heroin and and withdrawing from alcohol and i get to be one of the two people to go 12-stepper and uh, she was living in chicago at the time and i got her hooked up with my old grand sponsor paul and his home group up there and and they're pretty fanatical. Um, and she ended up finding a group of women that used the big book as their primary source material and, and was getting taken through the steps. She'd been sober three years uh, last Christmas. I mean, one of the hardest things for me is to, to maintain that posture of there are some wrongs we can never fully right, but we, are, we, were, we would write them if we could to maintain that posture of readiness. And she called me up and said, I'm going to be in town. Can I talk to you about some harm? I think I've caused you. And... uh and it wasn't just like to hear the harm. It's like I pretty well knew that because uh, I'd written my inventory. I'm like, okay, we, you know, this is—it's uh, more for her. Um, but what I was given the advice by that Alan and lady had talked about. She said, if you're going to go make amends, you need to make amends for for what you'd done as far as the abortion. I said, I can't do that. I can't bring it up. I can't imply that she had anything to do with it. And, and I was given that direction. If she brings it up, you have the green light to, to address it all together. I need to tell you. It was midnight, master, go talk to this girl at an Alcaton. And she said, this is the only time I can really meet. i have only got a couple days. And um, and I got to sit across the table from her. And when she said the actual words, then I knew we could talk openly. And within an hour, we were both weeping and holding each other's hands across the table um, because we knew that we couldn't have done anything different. I wanted to say thanks to Dave and Mark especially for being here this weekend. But there's that last missing piece that I couldn't get at until Mark said it you know. This lady in my group took away my right to judge myself, and that's a, that's a hard piece to give up. Cause I, that, that, that third column is like that's the cross that I hang myself on, and it's hard to get free of that. But thank you.
0: You know, there's this concept that life is a pool, and you can throw a negative stone in the pool, and the ripples will ripple out, and they'll hit the sides, and they'll come right back at you, and you'll feel the pain that you caused. Or you can throw a positive stone in the pool, and the ripples go out, they hit the side of the pool, and they come back. What kind of stone do you want to throw? I love doing the good deeds because not only does it touch everybody, but it comes right back at you because of the spiritual mirror principle. Um, We've stirred the pot pretty heavy. We've touched a lot of things a lot of people don't want to take a look at. Don't have any choice now, sorry. Um, Don't be surprised if you have even more bizarre dreams tonight. Experience them. Let them be. All right. Don't fight it. Just... Let it let it be. Uh, I think is it, what it's seven thirty tomorrow morning. Is that correct for the prayer meeting in the other room? 15. 715, 7.15 tomorrow morning. There's the prayer meeting. We're back in here. Um, let's see at nine o'clock tomorrow. Um, if you'd all bear with me for just one more second, if we can, you got anything more? Or I just want to close with a prayer. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, if we just get quiet for a second, and and I'll close. Take us out with a prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this wondrous opportunity to, to share your love and, and peace and serenity as we dredge this path together. And, and we we thank you so much for the grace that you've brought into our lives to take away the, the fear of seeing the truth we need to see. And now that we've seen the truth, Father, I ask that you help us to face that truth. And until this spiritual body can again be together, I ask you to keep us safe and protected as uh, we go out from here to do our best, to live your will, whatever that may be. In your love, we ask. Amen. Amen. Good night, guys.